You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I know you'll be alright Even when times get hard and you feel like you're in the dark you will see just how beautiful life can be when you soften your heart you can finally start to live your true life Today we're joined by Kelsey Patel, Reiki master, empowerment coach, public speaker, and as of the beginning of this year, author of a best-selling book, Burning Bright, which I have in my hand right now, and I'm sure we'll get into. Kelsey is my friend, but she's also my personal spiritual sensei that I'm so lucky to have in my pocket and on speed dial. Kelsey's the one that I reach out to when I fall off balance or need some answers out of how to get back to trusting my own intuition. If I can't reach Kelsey, which is often since she lives her life very differently than how we've been trained to always respond, I often find myself thinking, what would Kelsey do? The answer becomes really clear really fast, and it usually involves shutting down social media or any noise and dancing every single time. So welcome, Kelsey. I'm so excited to have you on the Truth is Life podcast. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so proud of you for doing this podcast, Lise. This is sort of like, to me, the essence of you and what you put out to the world through social media, through the things you write, through the courses you teach, through the workshops you do. But now it's like this juiciness that you give to people, the nourishment really, because it's like such nourishing content is now going to be in a long format so people can really receive. So I'm bow to you. I'm very proud of you. And congrats on starting this. Thank you. I'm excited to bring my people and our conversations that we often have offline online because I learned so much from you. And now I can even kind of replicate that to so many years. So I thought it would be interesting to ask you if you remember how we met. Oh, shit. Ah! Okay. I want to say I remember when I met 
Evan. I remember meeting at Mind Body Green, but I don't know if that was the first time you and I met IRL. Yeah. So you and I forget this all the time, but that is when we, I'm going to put in quotes, met for the first time. We were at a Mind Body Green event. I was working. You and Evan met some other place. And Evan ran over to me and said, You need to meet Kelsey Patel. She's amazing. She's magic. And I met you and instantly loved you. And then months later into our friendship, <laughs> I wish everyone could see. Oh, we realized that we met, I believe it was 2007, so a decade prior, at my house because you were lifelong friends with my brother's fiance at the time, didn't end up being his wife. But I mean, like we had crossed paths and I feel like that. Shout out to Crystal. Yeah, shout that out to Crystal. exactly <laughs> how we met and we were flabbergasted because you're younger than me. Are you six or seven years younger than me? I'm 32. So you're seven years younger than me. And I, at the time, was probably 22, 23 years old. And so you were just a tween. You know, you were just a little bubba. So I don't even remember you. I think I remember that party, though. And I was like, I am so out of place here. (laughs) I'm going to eat the fucking crab. I am going to drink the wine. I am going to be with all these really, really cool lit people. And I am going to act as if I am meant to be here. Cracking up, (laughs) cracking up right now. But I just love that story of us because it's like we, of course, crossed paths before that. And you always bring out like my own magic, my own intuition, my own oh my gosh, I have the magic. And that was just like another moment of like, of course it didn't start here with us. So truth be told, I loved you from the moment I met you or re-met you, I should say. And I'm spiritual. That's been a big part of my healing, my getting to know myself. And I've always been into alternative medicine, you know, doing acupuncture when I was 18. This wasn't something like my family did or or anything like that. I was always like weird in my family and friends. But Reiki was a modality that I couldn't grasp. I'm a science person, maybe, or I was a science person. And this idea that a person doesn't touch you or sometimes doesn't touch you and they move energy, quote unquote around was just like so whack to me and I was like yeah no you know that that's not a thing but what changed my mind was we came to LA and we had breakfast with you I had slipped in the shower the night before and again you were my friend I loved you I knew you were like a force that couldn't be reckoned with but like your whole Reiki spiel I was like eh, I don't know it's a little kooky you know and <laughs> you're like keep it in the corner but like you can hang yeah, out I was like keep that shit yeah I was like keep impressing people with that Reiki stuff like I know you're not really doing anything you know <laughs> and this was three or so years ago and I had slipped and I hurt my back and I like waddled into breakfast to meet you And I was like, so sorry that I'm like out of touch here. Like I just slipped. I hurt my back. And you're like, boo boo, let me help you. You said something like so um, nurturing. I forget. You always have very nurturing language. And you're like, let me Reiki it. And I was like, oh, God. And then I felt so uncomfortable because I was like, okay, she's giving me her trade that people like celebrities pay a lot of money to see you and work with you. And now she wants to help me on this actual physical ailment that I'm having. Like I literally pulled my back out. She can't do anything. Anyway, you put your hand on my back and it was ice. I felt ice. And I said, Kelsey, did you just put an ice pack on my back? And you're like, nope, my hand is actually burning hot and I'm not even touching you. And that was the moment that like I realized that you're actually a witch. Actually, 
<laughs> actually a witch, but really the moment that my thoughts around Reiki changed. And I realized that there's something out there that I don't understand, but just because I don't understand it or science doesn't understand it doesn't mean it's not real. So briefly, because I think we're going to get into it a little bit further, can you tell us a little bit about what Reiki is? Reiki is a Japanese healing modality. It's founder that most practitioners connect with and teach from is Usui Sensei. So um, Sensei in Japanese means master or teacher. So Mikao Usui was the founder and he kind of had this beautiful story the way that we've heard stories in the past of you know, some great massive healing, whether it's Buddha or Christ or sort of these big teachers in our energy field of they go out into the forest for X amount of days and ask for a download to be able to help and heal. And really what that's sort of the story we know of Mikawasui that he went out, he had seen so much suffering in Japan. It was after this great earthquake there was war and different things. So he saw people suffering and he was praying for a way to be able to rapidly heal people. And that's what he, he got the download of Reiki. And so that's really sort of the story. And, you know, Reiki as a modality is much newer sort of to society than what we know of maybe the yogic philosophies and things that have depth and centuries and centuries of connectivity and wisdom that's been passed down and passed through. And within Reiki, even though it's a quote unquote newer, I mean, talking like 1800s, even though it's a little bit newer, it still has that depth of spiritual connectedness and manifested healing that we've known and heard about through centuries of text and wisdom that's been passed down to us. So in Reiki, you're using your hand chakras. So we have chakras all over our body. Most of us are familiar with those seven depicted chakras that you see when you walk by a yoga studio or somebody wears a t-shirt or whatever it may be. We have chakras all over our body and two of those strong chakras are in our palms. And in Reiki, we're using our palm chakras to connect to whatever the person may want to call it, God, spirit, universe, energy, however a person connects to what Einstein taught us, E equals MC squared, energy, we're all made of energy. So we're connecting to that universal energy to bring balance and harmony through our palm chakras to the energy of the person in front of us. So if you're doing it on yourself, it's a very, very tender, healing, loving practice. If you're doing it on another person, you're really opening up to bring healing into their vessel, whether or not it's mind, body, or spirit. Yeah. And for anybody, again, out there who's a skeptic, I told kind of a physical story, and I want to share one more physical story, but it also just moves your blockages emotionally and spiritually. But last year before my wedding, you came to my dress fitting, and my mother-in-law, who's a huge skeptic, like totally rolls her eyes at all this stuff had just broken her knee. And I said, oh, Kelsey, can you do Reiki on my mother-in-law? And my mother-in-law was like kind of freaking out because like me, she didn't want to offend you when she felt nothing. And afterwards, she was freaking out because she said that she was scared because it was actually so powerful. And the movement that was happening in her leg was 
overwhelming for her, I think, like in a good way, but scared because she didn't expect to feel anything. And then you're sitting in our little salon room doing her knee and aiding in her healing. And for any skeptic, I just want them to hear a story from another skeptic and another skeptic that's like energy is real and healing by way of Reiki is real. I just I wish that everyone could kind of feel that from a physical standpoint. So on this podcast, we talk about the hard stuff that kind of got us here. And it's so clear to me that your journey brought you to become a Reiki healer and a world healer. I mean, when you're not physically using Reiki with your hands, you are healing each and every one of us, Kelsey. But a lot of people probably don't know your backstory, literally no pun intended. So Kelsey, can you share your story a little bit about like becoming a healer, the various jobs that you had, your home life, anything that kind of got you here? Yeah. So I grew up in North Dakota. I grew up very sort of in a conservative state, in a conservative city, a conservative home, more or less. But our family was pretty open and liberal, not in the sense that we were talking about anything like Reiki or meditating or anything like that, just a very like loving, a little bit different maybe than a lot of the other people around us. Having said that, I was brought up at church on every Sunday. I grew up in a very, very Irish Catholic home and we were in church all the time. So my relationship with spirit, God, whatever you want to call it, was really in the foundation of a box of a church. That was where God is. That's how you talk to God. That's how you, if you pray, it's like, you know, on your knees, it's a certain prayer. There wasn't an invitation to really directly talk to God. You kind of had to go to the priest or you pray, but you're praying, you know, certain other things. Having said that, you know, I grew up in a home with a lot of love and I grew up in a home where there was also a lot of pain. My mom suffered. I talk about this a bit in the book and I've been shocked at how many people from around the world write into me about reading the book and how they so deeply related to my story. Because to be honest, when I wrote my book, I was like, well, I'll just put it all out there. But like, I don't know, this just seems my own story. I don't know how this would connect with anybody else, but I kept getting encouraged to share my story. I didn't think it was unique. I thought it was like, well, everybody goes through shit. And while I was growing up, my mom suffered very, very deeply with depression and undiagnosed bipolarity. But she was a high functioning human. I mean, she had her doctorate. She was creating a high school for all the teenage kids who had nowhere else to go in our town. I mean, she was an amazing human. I got kicked out of my own bed to go sleep with my sister because my mom went and picked up a kid who was being sexually abused by her father at a dump truck at 1 a.m. in the morning. I mean, my mom was just so, is still to this day, so full of the giving nature, but also to her detriment. (laughs) And so I grew up in a home where we had a lot of love. It was, religion was a certain way. And I watched my mom suffer so deeply. And because we lived in a smaller town, it was Grand Forks, North Dakota. We were not allowed to talk about it. So everything I was ever told was keep this in the family. No one needs to know that mom's going to get ECT treatments Mm. and no one needs to know that we are going through this thing as a family. ECT, that's the shock treatment, electrocurrent therapy. Okay. So that's, that is very insane. I mean, if you've ever seen one flew over the cuckoo's nest, Mm -hmm. like that's what they're doing. And When you think now about how much we've learned about how sensitive and vulnerable our central nervous systems are and our whole body is, imagine getting that like 
treatment to your body regularly. Mm -hmm. So my mom was a fighter. I mean, she was fighting to deal with wanting to live and fighting her depression and all these other things. So growing up with that, I never realized how much emotional turmoil that was putting in and creating for me. So I was the secretary of the, I don't even know what those things are called in high school. I was the captain of the cheerleading squad. I was in DECA. I was in all these other clubs and things. You know, TVT. Haven't heard that in a while. Yeah, that's right. I was like the state secretary or some shit like that. And I was just always, I was a dancer. I was in companies. I was teaching dance. I was just always doing something. That was sort of my way of creating validation and worthiness and control. And so fast forward into college and then into my first job in Washington, D.C., I started to experience excruciating back pain when I was in D.C. And I didn't realize it at the time, but it was the first time in my life where like I didn't have 800 things going on. In college, I was working, I was dancing in a company, I was going to school, I had three jobs. And then I got to DC and it was just this one job. And that was it. And so my back started to hurt and it was right behind my heart, Mm. my back pain. And I never put that together for years and years. And my back pain got so excruciating that I would take Advil every day, I would drink wine every night, still dancing. And then slowly, I did my old pattern, which was Oh, let me start babysitting on the side. Oh, let me join this dance company. Oh, let me start teaching dance. Oh, let me start to bartend. Oh, let me start to bartend at two places. So then I got mono, shingles, chronic urinary tract infections, all part of my mid-20s. And a horrible relationship with an ex-boyfriend that was so tumultuous. And lo and behold, I had a friend who was pretty crazy. Uh, She's the one I came to your parents' party Mm. with, your brother's engagement party. Mm. And she was friends with Crystal. She was like, I'm moving to LA to become an actress. You should move with me. You're miserable. And I was sitting on my ex-boyfriend's couch sobbing and I was like, fuck it. I gotta go. I am hanging on by a thread in this city. So I left and I moved to LA without a job, without very much money, without anything to have a fresh start. And course my back pain came with Mm. me and it was just slowly over time I didn't want to realize but I became aware that I was the common denominator and I was the problem that I kept running away from my feelings because I kept burning the candle at both ends and the only person who loses I was very much on the path to become depressed to become unwell to become medicated but I was so resistant to it because I watched my mom do all that so it was this weird battle. No, it makes sense to like latch on to doing all the things, because if I'm doing all the things, I won't, you know, end up like my doomed fate, which is my mother, or perhaps, I don't know, that's how I think at least, <laughs> do anything but become my mom, love my mom, but don't want to be my mom. Like, please don't let me become that. And, you know, it's the same tale for everybody. Like my mom felt that way about her right. mother, but those were the things, her trying to resist certain boundaries that my my grandmother did have or asking for help and other things are what made, I believe, what made my mom sick. Mm-hmm. And then me wanting to control everything and do everything and not get any sort of like medical support or therapy or anything else was what made me sick. So eventually you make your way to LA and your back pain comes with you. And what makes you say, hey, back pain, 
maybe you're not just back pain? So it wasn't even that. It was, I had done a lot of other things. And in LA, I got introduced to Pure Bar when it was not popular like it is now. And I started taking classes and I started, I met my husband, my now husband at that point. And life was just starting to shift slowly. And I still wasn't aware of like what life could be because I was still in that rat race. But I remember being on an airplane with my husband. We were going to go somewhere fabulous. And I put my head on the seat in front of me and I had tears just slowly streaming down my face because I was so tired, so exhausted from this back pain, so overwhelmed and overtaken by it. And it was coupled with anxiety. It wasn't just like, oh, my back hurts. When you have physical pain, you feel more anxious. Mm -hmm. And when you get anxious, you can have more physical pain. So I was just in this vicious cycle and I really couldn't get out of it. I could get a 90 minute deep tissue, like get your elbow, Mm -hmm. like put your whole body weight on my back in this place. And I might have afterwards an hour or two hours of relief and then it would come back. So when I was on that plane, I was just crying with myself and he was trying to rub my back and it never helped. And I was just like, I don't think I can keep living life. If this is where I'm going to be going and it's this bad already, how the fuck could I keep living? It's just going to get worse. That's all I could tell myself. It's just going to get worse. It's just going to get worse. And that was really when I started seeking. I would have eaten cow shit if somebody told me it was going to make my back better. You know what I mean? Like I was desperate and I was really opposed to taking painkillers or any medication except for Advil. And that was where I was at. And that's sort of where the journey started. And did you meet with somebody who performed Reiki on you? So I owned my first Pure Bar studio at that point. I had worked for a big Fortune 500 company. I was on a plane every week. It was a horrible lifestyle. I was like bringing my neck brace with me on certain plane ride. It was just horrible and always anxious, eating a shitty diet, trying to impress people, trying Mm. to climb that like success ladder, blah, blah, blah. Well, I'll stop you right there for just a moment. I don't think it's just corporate. I think it exists in pockets of our life. And depending on the the people that we surround ourselves with, I think that rat race of trying to impress people with the latest, I don't know, handbag or jewelry or whatever, like the toxic culture can be anywhere. And it's up to us to create if we can't escape it, like if we have toxic family members or toxic work environments, I think it's up to us to create friendships that are not toxic. Amen. Because you're right. Even when I left the corporate company, I brought that same energy into my Pure Bar studio when I started. And I was the problem. You know, it wasn't anybody else. Meaning I had some shitty people as well that ended up, of course, I called that in because we're all mirrors for each other. Mm -hmm. But in the corporate world, you know, people who worked for Bain or Deloitte or any of those, those were a lot of the people that came to work at a big Fortune 500 company. What I saw in that time, I was trying to fit my square peg in a round hole. And it just was not a fit. I was denying that I was a creative. I was denying that this lifestyle is not who I am. I was trying to force myself to be of that lifestyle. It was very, very toxic for me. And I don't even know if the word is toxic. It was just 
it was so unkind to do that and to try to believe that that was what I wanted because I knew it wasn't. I, I would dread my alarm clock going off. I would dread a lot of the calls and it just all seemed like such nonsense, like so many of the things that we would do. And, and I certainly, some people are meant for it and they thrive in it. So I also, if that's anybody listening, like mm -hmm. keep doing you. I just wasn't giving myself permission at that time to check in and I was so fearful. I carried so many beliefs from my family around money and around success that I didn't ever really take the time to ask myself, is this what I want? It just was like, oh, well, this looks really good. I have a six-figure salary. I get a bonus. I get all these perks and things, but I'm exhausted. I'm burned out. It was just a very, very eye-opening <laughs> way of seeing my life. And then when I started to teach Pure Bar on the side, I realized this is what I want to do. So I had met my husband at the time and he came from a family of entrepreneurs and he was like, do it. Why wouldn't you? So that was sort of how I made the transition. And every job I've had, they begged me to stay. And sometimes it's worked and sometimes it hasn't worked. And I knew that I needed something different. But then becoming a business owner and having a brick and mortar business, it was 10 times more depleting <laughs> and burnout central than whatever anything I've done so far. Interesting. That's super interesting. So would you say that your back pain, looking back, had something to do with repressed emotions or, or I should say pain in general for people? Is there something to say that the body holds emotions and repressed feelings in your opinion? Absolutely. A hundred percent. I believe if you start working with your mental and emotional bodies, you begin to heal your physical body. I've seen it happen, I've, it's happened to me, I've seen it happen to hundreds and hundreds of people, the Reiki students I train, the thousands of people that I've done Reiki on and workshops with, retreats. I mean, we are energy bodies. So if you move your mental energy, you move your emotional energy. If you move your emotional energy, you move your physical energy. If you move your physical energy, you open up your spiritual energy. Like we are multidimensional, and we are 100% all of that at once. There's no separating it. And yet, I mean, our the average person's life mid-pandemic, but also before pandemic, is we don't move. And if we do move, you know, we follow an instructor in a soul cycle class. And if, you know, we don't really allow our mental energy to open up because we are, we're either at our desks or at our keyboards. And the evening comes and we grab a glass of wine and we're, we're closing all of our channels because we don't have the tools and it's not normal to say how do I open up you know you are the queen of dancing freely of shutting down your social media recently going on a sabbatical which I just love and just opening up the channels and I know for me when I'm stuck and I'm not always so good at getting to that first open up point but if I just open the physical body if I get wacky in my body and I dance then the mental energy opens and then the spiritual opens but Sometimes you're so stuck, especially if you're in physical pain, that getting to that first step is so hard because you think I would, but I can't because it hurts. Yeah. And, and to those people, I think there's a two important components to it. One, if you're willing to sit and get quiet and feel into the pain and not because so often when somebody's in a state of physical pain, they're running 
away from it. They're going to every other thing and it could be a drink, it could be a medicine, it could be like an escapism, it could be whatever to try to get away from the pain. But I think if you go into mm -hmm. the pain, you communicate with it, you sit with it, you feel it, you, you sob it through the desperation, the feeling of it, you've just opened up the top and poured out some of the pain. Mm. So I think one of the most important things for people who are going, and it, it could be a mental pain, an emotional pain, it could be anything. It doesn't have to just be physical. When you're going through something really intense, the more you can sit with it and give yourself, even if it's 10 minutes a day, to just be inside your body and be inside that emotion or that feeling or that pain and give it space, give it attention, give it your love, mm -hmm. you are going to see it start to shift. The second thing is, I think people really have to be willing to ask for help, to be vulnerable enough to say, this is overwhelming and I cannot do this on my own. I'm scared to do it on my own. I don't know how to do it on my own. I don't know what to give myself. It can be a very overwhelming journey to be like, I want to get better, but I don't have $7,000 yeah. to go stay at this place and get healed through green juices every day and 17 massages and blah, blah, blah. So start small. Tell your community of close friends. See if anyone has an option or something to you. Maybe just speaking out your pain is a part of your process. For me, it certainly was. I never talked about shit with my mom when I was really going through it. I also think as you do that, you start to see and listen to yourself and then you start to see the reflection of yourself as you're talking. So you can really see where you're holding old patterns, old belief systems, holding on to old things that no longer serve you. And we all came here to grow and to evolve. And if you're not doing things that feel different and feel like change, nothing's ever going to change. So you have to be willing to go at things that you want to shift with a different perspective. Because if you keep doing the same, you're going to keep getting the same. I think you bring up such an important point about when we hear about like being stuck, you think you need all the money. And while money certainly helps because it buys you time, the most Absolutely. valuable resource of all time to figure it out, it's not the only way. And I think that the, the key here is to go inward, not necessarily outward. So seeking help also might be just self-discovery work. You and I, you know, we do different work, but it's like the same. It's about getting people, you're, you know, obviously much better at it than I am because you are just pure magic, but we get- That's not true, you are too. We get people back into their bodies and outside of that kind of shit storm that they've created of, of lies. And I, what I love about you, you've written it in your book and you've, you and I have had conversations about this is like, we don't want to- people to be reliant on us personally. I've heard you say that. And every time you say it, I'm like, good. I don't want that either. Like, I don't want my students to be returning to me over and over again. Once you get back inside of your body, like, go run with that. I don't want to be taking anybody's money over and over and over and over again, because that means we're stuck. Like, we're not getting there. But in your book, you talk about how none of this work is overnight, first of all. And second of all, we need to first begin the self-discovery process of learning who we are and how we ended up here 
so we can untangle the mess of beliefs that are currently holding us back. So you just mentioned this weird thing you had with money. And in your book, you talk about profound and soft imprints. And as I'm reading that, it was like I was freaking out because, of course, you're a witch. And (laughs) you talk about the profound imprints being like, well, I'll let you explain profound imprints. So we all have imprints. It's based on how we grew up. It's based on what happened to us, you know, the day our alarm clock didn't go off and we were late for something. It happens to us when somebody cuts in front of us in the car and then we're driving down that road again and there's just this conscious awareness inside of us of that former experience. So to me, when we look at and when somebody wants to get unstuck or they want to quote unquote do the work and get started on this journey, I recommend for people to sort of do an awareness seeking journey where you're going back and you're just becoming aware of certain categories in life. What is your quote unquote belief system around those different things? Because that is probably rooted and based sort of superficially in an imprint, in a profound imprint that was created or made up along your journey based on the shit that's happened to you. So it could be anything from how you feel about God to how you feel about vacations, to how you feel about money, to how you view marriage, to how you view your purpose in the world. And the book really goes into it for people to start to identify their own soft imprints and profound imprints. And it's not because any of this work is to make you feel more shitty about yourself. It's so that you can look at it and be like, fuck, is that, is that still me? Do I really believe that? Because I don't want to believe that. And where is this coming from? Because only I, as you were just saying so beautifully, only I have the ability to choose and to change it. Because that to me is the seat of a teacher, is they're not doing the work for you. They're showing you what's possible and what's available to you. And then you as the student, and we're all students of life, I'm still the student, then you as the student decide, do I feel ready to start making these changes? And sometimes you're ready and sometimes you're not, and it's not a race, it's just, awareness so that you can make the next best choice for yourself and your life. And you bring up some like major imprints could be caused from loss or poverty consciousness, fear of failure and success. The ones that rang true for me were just a fear of abandonment. And having the knowledge and awareness that I have this helps me see that when I'm being triggered, it's my fear of abandonment coming up. And rather than reacting to my fear of abandonment, because I know I have that, let me shift into the present and work on what is actually in front of me rather than create the feeling that is imprinted into me. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense. And you can then look at your that that profound imprint and see where it's also impacting the soft imprints, Mm -hmm. the little things, the how do I show up to my husband not calling me Mm -hmm. back? Mm -hmm. How do I show up to these other moments of life? And I, I don't, I didn't talk about it in the book because it's so, so sacred to me, but I lost, and I meaning I don't, I don't even think I bring it up at all, but maybe if I do, it's just a little bit. One of my very, very dearest best friends was brutally murdered. And after that all happened, I was in such a state that if my husband didn't call me back right away or answer the phone, 
because he was maybe driving 30 minutes in LA to go somewhere. I would fall to my knees sobbing. I might be putting dishes away or the most mundane tasks, making the bet, believing that something happened to him. Mm -hmm. And that took years to actually work through and to feel safe again and to start to, because when you experience a loss, that's that unexpected, that tragic, that sudden, it's not meant to be gone right and, away. And that you, real, like that happened that in front of you in your life. Yeah. It's not yeah. in the movies. It's not a phobia. It's happened. It's real and it's horrible and it's the most tragic, painful thing. And when you go through something like that, and we all have many and major traumas. To be honest, we're all in a state of trauma and shock right now mm -hmm. going through this experience in 2020. And a dear friend of mine said the other day, which I loved so much, that there's a lot of trauma specialists and people out there that are also reminding people that when you're going through something that's traumatic, there's a sense of loss, right? We've all lost a lot of liberties, a lot of like the ways that we've lived in our lifestyles, but you start to forget time. If I asked anybody on the listening right now, what did you do yesterday? What did you do last week on this same day? They would have zero or very minimal connection to it because that's a form of coping. It's a coping mechanism as you're going through a trauma. And each experience for people can be different based on whatever that trauma was and how it's been a part of their life prior to that experience. Right, right. I mean, we and a previous guest was in an attempted murder, and she said that the entire thing they think was six minutes or so, but they recorded it to the police as 45 minutes in the midst of the trauma. So I think that just kind of only proves your point a little bit. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, 
Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. So I think it's just so important for us all to get to know our imprints and begin to untangle it and get to know the way that you're holding it back. One of the soft imprints you talked about spoke so truly to me. And you talked about a friend named Jennifer who was in a slow reading group in elementary school. I don't know if anybody listening here also had reading groups, but I did. And I was in the medium reading group and all of my friends were in the high level reading group. And year after year, I was stuck in this vicious cycle. And until I saw you write about somebody else, this has been carrying with me actually my entire life to the point where I always say the words, I'm not smart. I I say, and I'm sure my listeners or my audience have heard me say it before. I say, I'm not smart. I work hard. And to the point where I didn't even pursue nutrition originally because I thought I'm not smart enough to go through chemistry and whatever. And it has held me back so much. You know, eventually I've gotten to everywhere I need, but it's still always in the back of my mind eating at me and seeing somebody else read it. And that's what this podcast is about. And that's why so many people, by the way, you know, responded to the little parts of your book where you shared about your mom and your and your home life is because we don't talk about this stuff. We talk about the journey maybe before and the journey after, but we don't say, hey, this is what the inside of my home looked like. And therefore, we all run around with these secrets of shame that we try really hard for nobody to see. Like mine is that I'm not smart. So I actually tell people up front, I'm not smart, right? Because then I don't have to do the running around so that they don't believe that, you know, this whole thing. Anyway. That was why it was so important for me as well when I was doing the book, obviously with permission to get people's stories in there so that people could feel a sense. Whenever I'm reading a book, that's the part that I connect to the most is when I hear another human being's life journey experience and how a simple shift, such a simple shift in their awareness gives them the tools and the permission to then radically accept themselves with love and go to the places that they want to without all the fear, without all the noise Mm -hmm, inside. mm -hmm, Totally. And you you always say that like anyone can do Reiki and that's largely what your book is about. Like you actually don't need to spend a fortune becoming a Reiki. I'm going to I'm going to show you that you can do Reiki on you, on yourself. And one of the ways I know you're so right is because Evan, my husband, who you love, has never done a Reiki class. I did Reiki level one with you. And once in a while, I'll feel him put his hand on me and he might like say something like, oh, I'm giving you Reiki. And my response is always, I know. Like, I don't know what it is, but there's something about intentionally giving energy to somebody, or I don't know if that's the right way to put it. Is that how you put it? Yeah, it is. It's that it's such a silly analogy, but it's, it's real. If you're traveling and you're somebody who doesn't drink stuff that has sugar in it or added bullshit, but you get sick and you're like, oh, I really need some orange juice. And you don't want to buy the ocean spray or the whatever there are, yeah. right? If you pull that bottle of orange juice and you set the intention that that vitamin C inside of it is going to give your body the nourishment, the support, and the vitality that it needs, that's an intention. Mm-hmm. So it's the same way with our physical energy bodies. My husband hasn't ever been trained in Reiki. He is a non, was a non, non-believer. And he'll put his hands on me too. And I'll be like, will you just Reiki me? And 
he doesn't have a clue what he's doing, but his hand on me, it's hands on healing. And he's coming at it with the intention of sending me love, mm -hmm. of giving energy. And that's really what it's about is any one of you listening right now, place your hand, one hand or both hands on your heart space. Let's just take three breaths. So inhale through your nose, exhale through your nose. Start to feel your hands warm up with light. And just see if you can send that light into your heart space, into your stomach, your back. And then just say, thank you. Wow, thank you. That's cool. And then you can open your eyes. It's that simple. You know, people just don't want to take take a moment to sit with themselves. I always say it's not even that people don't want to, or this is how I feel. It's that people don't have tools. That yeah. was not a tool I ever had in my life. And so I went always for the numbing agents. You know, let me just go out and, and buy a new shirt. Let me go drink a glass of wine. Let me go take an Advil for this pain, whatever it is. A form of escapism. Sleep. And I don't, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I don't think people talk about it. Meaning sleep is restful and it's nourishing and it's necessary. But there was definitely a time where I used sleep as an escape mechanism from life. That's my number one sign that my depression is coming back. So hear you loud and clear on that one. It's like, goodbye world. I'm just going to close the shades literally and figuratively and drown myself out. But a tool, right? You just had us put our hands on our hearts and suddenly I'm whole, I'm filled and I've done nothing differently. I haven't left my closet podcast room, but the shift is there. So thank you for the, the tool that you've given us. So, I mean, I think that right now, mid pandemic, everything feels out of control. Like, how can we start to think about anxiety differently? In your book, yeah. you hit the nail on the head for me. And I had you, I always have you in my mind. But yesterday specifically, you said something about, of course, you're going to have low emotional states. It's part of life. But how can we approach anxiety differently? without spiraling? First, I think everyone needs to give themselves a huge break. You have to give yourself time every day, every week, every month, every year to be off duty because so much of the anxiety that I've personally experienced and that I've seen so many people experience is rooted in these false belief systems that if I'm not motivated and I don't feel like doing much work on a Tuesday. I'm lazy. I'm not going to make it in the world. I'm unsuccessful. I'm fat. I'm like the spiral will just start for people. And what I want people to realize is we have cycles that we go through as human beings based on age, based on seasons, based on when you were born, based on the time you were born. So people first of all, need to give themselves a huge break that you are a human being, not a human doing. And a being is a live breathing thing. So you don't expect your flowers to be blooming all year long. They have a season where they have to let go of leaves, where they have to die, and then they regrow. If we could just be that kind to ourselves and trusting that it's okay if you have a day where you need to be in your PJs and eat shitty food or whatever comes up to you that you feel like this is nourishing for me today. Yes, it's nourishing for me to eat a frozen pizza with ranch <laughs> and a Diet Coke, you know, at 4 p.m. Like, I mean, I think if people could just be a little more 
kind to recognize that you are an energy vessel and we have a certain container of energy every day and every week is different especially women we operate our energy based on the flow of our cycle so when you are physically bleeding out for one to seven days or however long people's cycles are if any other part of your body was bleeding like that, you wouldn't leave the fucking house. <laughs> Yet women get their period and they're like, must go to the gym, must do hit workout, <laughs> must draw salad. Like that's not kind, you know? Your body wants to be cozy and be with nourishing, warm foods, grounding foods. So I know that's a long explanation, but to me, it's waking up each day, really tuning in and asking yourself, what do I really need today to feel good, to feel loved? And then meet that need for yourself rather than forcing something else. And maybe you do have shit you have to get done because you've made an agreement. You said you were going to show up to something. You have some work to do. You have kids, whatever it may be, but you still have a choice on how you show up to the day. Maybe if you don't have energy, you don't go on social media at all. You don't energy leak in other unnecessary ways. Beautiful. And I think that really like kind of solves the question that I'm sure many people are feeling where it's like, well, I can't just sleep in. I can't just stay in my pajamas. I can't just eat Hidden Valley Ranch pizza all day. But that's what it is. It's not about like doing nothing. It's about fixing those energy leaks. And I'm so glad that you just said the choice word again, because you say it in your book, but you also said it to me on the phone recently. You said, Lisa, everything's a choice. And I have had it on repeat in my mind and it has helped me pivot. Like you said, like maybe it's don't go on social media for the day. It's like I forget that that's a choice. I yes. literally forget that that's a choice. And then I'm like, wait, yeah. this this is a choice. I don't have to do that. I don't have to post what I'm eating for breakfast today. First of all, you're not that freaking important, Lisa. Second of all, not everybody needs to see everything you're doing. You know. But figuring out where those energy leaks are, and it might look like I don't have to go to the gym, or I actually do want to go to the gym. Like The choice could be either. But I'm constantly hearing you in my head all pandemic long as, Lisa, everything is a choice and not forcing myself into an unnatural rhythm. And that's what you say. Like, we all have a natural rhythm, but we're all fighting it. We're fighting it with the things that we think we should do or we have to do or because everybody else is doing them is a big one, especially with social media and, you know, maybe positive role models. But to have a positive role model doesn't mean we need to do everything that they do. And also comparison mm. is the thief of gosh. Yeah. Like the best quote. And I can't remember whose quote it is. It is not mine. But it's such a good reminder. Comparison is the thief of joy. You want to feel good in your life? Stop looking at what everybody else is doing and ask yourself, what am I giving? What am I doing? What do I need today? And most days it's like, hey, I just could use a little walk outside today and maybe a bath and maybe you put some like actual nourishing lotion on my body rather than rushing out to answer the 17 text messages on your phone. It's pretty simple, guys. Mm -hmm. It's nourishing food, nature, connection with really loving friendship. And it's taking care of what you actually need, because then you can go out and give to the world the way you want to. You posted on May 8th, I don't know if you remember, about, uh, it's, a, it's a little bit of a personal post, but you did post it on Instagram. And you posted a picture of yourself in a bathtub visibly upset. And it really spoke to me. I texted you a, a moment after. And you basically said that you got your period. And for some backstory, you're around 39 years old. You've got a loving husband, two stepkids, I believe, two stepsons. And 
you said, you know, you thought that you were pregnant for a moment, I think, or the doctors thought you were pregnant and you got your period. So you weren't, you know, it wasn't a necessarily like a miscarriage story to my knowledge, right? Not that we know of, but I hadn't gotten my period for several weeks. I had gone to the doctor's office. They basically had a test that they were like, oh, we actually think you're pregnant. I felt very pregnant. I intuitively felt connected to something, but it had been a few months where like the beginning I felt pregnant and I got my period two weeks late and it was a weird period. And then, so it was just this roller coaster of a few months of like pregnant, not pregnant, pregnant, not pregnant. And for everyone who doesn't follow Kelsey, although there should be no human beings out there that don't follow Kelsey, <laughs> that your feed is so laced with joy. And despite there being joy, there's not deep personal moments like that. And therefore, it really stopped, I think, all of us in our tracks because you didn't choose to, not that you ever brush things under the rug, but that doesn't mean that you shared on your social media channels necessarily. What made you share that moment with all of us? To be honest, it was, it was spirit. It was God. I was in the bathtub sobbing. And, you know, anyone who's experienced that, it's hormonal. It's this energy waves that you can't, or you're not meant to control and you can't control. And I was sobbing and it wasn't even a sob of like, oh, I wanted this baby so bad. Cause you know, to be honest, my husband and I are very like, if we're meant to have a child, we have a child. If we're not meant to, then we're not meant to. We kind of are very happy in our lives. We've raised two kids since they were six and nine and they're now 17 and 20. It was almost just the exhaustion of like, that journey of knowing, not knowing. And I was sobbing, sobbing. And I heard how, as I often do, like, you gotta take a picture of this. And I was like, fuck off. No, spirit, I'm not taking a picture of this. Like, for what reason? <laughs> and he was like, you gotta take a picture of this. And I was like, ugh. So I leaned over the tub, grabbed my phone, took a picture, put the phone away. That was the exact picture that's on Instagram. And then like a lot of my posts, all of a sudden, you know, maybe the next day or maybe, I don't remember if it was later that day or the next day, this flood of words came through. And that was when I posted. And I don't ever mean to not share or overshare or undershare on Instagram. It's really for me, all intuitive based sharing. I share when I feel called, I share when I feel like it, I share when I'm shown or told, you've got to like do a mini sound healing, do this or do whatever. So that was really where it came from. And I don't I hope I'm not the only one who says this. I don't really care if people comment or like the photo or well, don't comment. That's what that's the thing. People there's there's not a lot like you. It wasn't performative. You're never performative. But you don't even know like how to use Instagram half the time. And I think so many people starting their own businesses think that like Instagram is the only way. And like I sit here with your freaking best selling book in my hand and you have not sacrificed your truthiest Kelsey on Instagram or social media in a way for for no reason. And not to say that everybody does, but just to give anybody permission or if, if social media doesn't feel right for you in the way that you typically see it used, don't conform. Show up as you. Maybe that's sharing 
quote unquote vulnerable things. I don't think it's, you know, it didn't feel like a vulnerable share for you. You were called to share it. And like you said, it's not like you're not comfortable being vulnerable, but that message, like let the messages come through you because when Kelsey's messages hit me, they're always exactly on time. They're always exactly what I want. They're not needless. And it just, it, it ricochets off of me to remind me, Lisa, you don't need to share every single bit of your life. Share what has meaning to you or somebody else, but don't just show up just to show up because everybody's showing up because you're actually not actually showing up anymore. You're missing out on life. I could not. That's the best way to put it, Lise, is like, you know, for anyone who's starting any new venture, I think there's excitement, which can often get confused with necessary performance. And so I feel like, you know, the more people can tune in and just ask themselves, like, what feels authentically me? Because I also think sometimes I get, and I don't want to say annoyed because each person has every right to do whatever they want to in the world. Sometimes I get annoyed when people are like over vulnerably sharing. Cause I'm like, you need to go sit with that shit and do the work. They're doing it in a way to get comments and get It's escapism. It's like, are you really living your actual life and the experience? Or were you just like waiting to put it on Instagram? And I refuse to conform to that. I think I tried a little bit several years ago when I first really started using Instagram as a modality of like, you know, just another form of connecting with my community. And then I just realized this, this will kill me. Like this will actually kill my spirit. If I am on here every day, if I'm on here for more than X amount of minutes every day, I mean, I'm truly not really a scroller at all. I'll maybe at most scroll for a few minutes, a couple times a week. I get off of social media every Friday through Monday afternoon. I go on whenever I feel like it. I will not let it control me and my work in the world because we're so much more than that. So you gave me a very powerful mantra, the one that everything is a choice, Lisa. And it's been just on replay. Everything is a choice, Lisa. Everything is a choice. (laughs) Do you have a personal mantra yourself? Usually it's I'm worthy. It's been that for a long time because I spent way too many years feeling unworthy. So I self-sacrificed to try to gain worthiness, which never works. I would say I have varying ones. I sometimes go back to the Reiki precepts, which my students learn in, well, most students learn in some form of, of their Reiki training. Just for today, do not worry. Just for today, do not anger. Just for today, be kind to yourself and to others. Just for today, be humble. You know, just getting into that reminder. But to be honest, my main mantra now every morning when I wake up is God, show me the way. I love that. Just show me. And in the middle of this, as you call it, a life quake, that's a beautiful mantra because it you're surrendering every single morning. You're not like trying to know which way is right or left. Just God, show me the way. I love that. Thank you. I will add that to my Kelsey CD that's on replay. <laughs> <laughs> the other one, which I think you'll love, it's not mine. I think it comes from A Course in Miracles by Marianne Williamson, but or from her book about Course in Miracles is show me love instead of this. So if you're going through a moment where there's anxiety or there's pain or there's fear or there's worry, you know, people are often, which I've been there too during this experience, overwhelmed. Some people are overwhelmed with ice, feeling isolated. Some people are overwhelmed with the household and all the people in it and the constant, you know, being at home or whatever it may be, the overwhelm of what's next, the overwhelm of when next. So in that moment, I just pray 
to God, like, show me love instead of this. So you're just really letting yourself come into a whole new vibration of energy. I love that. Okay, closing questions for you. One's a little random, but the other day on your Instagram story, you posted something and you circled a birthmark on your lip and wrote birthmark on my lip or something like that. Like you called attention to something that's only yours. Yeah, I see it. It's it's so cute. I never (laughs) noticed it before that story, but here we are. Why'd you do that? I feel like one, because people have sent me shit in the past where they're like, that's a cold sore. And I'm like, fuck off. I know my body. (laughs) Like this is my birthmark. Thank you very much. (laughs) Second of all, I don't know. As I get older, I really, really love myself. (laughs) Like I love my gray hair. I love that. Like my boobs are like, you know, like changing course. They feel like they're getting more like left and right hemisphere versus anything else. I don't know. I just think as I grow up, you know, mentally, emotionally, physically, I really find so much beauty and joy in my becoming of me. And I didn't have that for a long time. I wanted to change so many different things about myself. And I quite like my birthmark now on my lip. I love your birthmark on your lip. And I actually am glad I asked that question because it gives us permission to like the things that are uniquely ours or that happen with aging naturally. And I'm constantly trying to work on those things because I could be really good at picking my physical face particularly apart. So just to hear you say it gives me some peace. And the more women I think we have kind of saying that or doing that in the way that you did it particularly because it was subtle. And it wasn't, again, it wasn't performative. It was just right there. And I was like, it's so cute, that little thing. Isn't it cute? So yeah. Cute. And like, God, I love your face, Lisa. I'd be so sad to ever hear you be mean to it. Because again, we can always see that in everybody else. But then we're standing with ourselves in front of the mirror. You know, as we, we're all going to get older, God willing. And as we get older, there's, again, it's a choice. You can either like try to fight aging and fight all the things that we've just really, it's a, that to me is an, a soft imprint. Like we've just been taught yes. how aging is ugly. And my God, aging is so beautiful. I appreciate that. It lands on not deaf ears for sure. So two more questions. One a little heavy, the other one super light. Second to last question is, do you think everything happens for a reason? Yes. I love that. Just a solid yes. I'll take it. And yes. last question. If you were a tree, what type of tree would Kelsey be? Ooh, good question. I want to be... Not what you want to be. What are you? What am I? Well, I can see it, but I don't know what it's called. Basically, I'm that tree with a big, long, supportive, sturdy trunk. Mm -hmm. It's like kind of thin, but also medium size. But then my leaves are like that big, round, huge Mm. circle. Oh, yes. You know, and then there's like, there's an abundance of leaves and it's very green and very healthy and very bright but it's also like friendly with all the other trees around i think it has some apples does it have some apples yeah, apples on like it yeah like super cute it's it will fuck with you it will drop an <laughs> apple on your head if you're being an asshole to yourself to someone else uh, yes yes that is so your tree it's like we look really nice but we protect ourselves at all costs yeah, and I protect other people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like if you're being with someone, I'm gonna call that out. And if you're being mean to yourself, mm-hmm. I'm also gonna call that out because that's not okay. And you're you're certainly my mirror in all ways, and you always call me out, and that helps me up level. 
So I appreciate you. Kelsey, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I think everybody so clearly sees why you were such an important guest to have. Uh, You live your truthiest life day in and day out, and you give us tools to help ourselves come back home. So I truly believe that everything happens for a reason, and I truly believe that your purpose here on Earth is so important. And I love you, and thank you for sharing your journey with us. I love you so much. Thank you so much for having me and lots and lots of love to everyone listening. Just blasting you with love, 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 love. Thanks, girls. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, The CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now right rug flooring whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks kemba financial credit union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs apply today at kemba.org to unlock a limited time two percent cash back on purchases and pay zero percent interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from kemba you deserve a card that works for you restrictions apply offer ends June 30th, 2024.